This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. And welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hallatow. And as always, I'm joined by the awesome Sarah Nangama. Bola Dean and Bola to all of our listeners. It feels brilliant to be back in the studio for another week. We've got a jam-packed show for you. We'll be joined by Tenada Anara. You can ask that is all about motivation this week. And we'll be joined by Tongan journalist Marianne Kupu to talk about the Nepal World Cup that's just wrapped up. Hala, typically I would ask how your week is, which I will shortly, but... There's something that I need to mention at the top of our show. Shoot, what's, what's up? As of today, we have recorded 100 radio shows together. No way. Yes. 100 shows. These are me. This is my clicks. Clicks for cel- my celebratory clicks. I feel as, as good as I was at show one <laughs> at 100. <laughs> you know what? We're growing every with growing, growing with every app, but I have to say that's that's a huge achievement. Congratulations, for us. Sarah! Wait, I can't believe that you and I have spent a hundred. It's like a hundred games. You and I are centurions. I know, that's right a milestone. Now. Do we get a banner? I don't think we do, but I did get a free coffee this morning, so thank you. No, that's all right. So, in radio years, is this basically like are we centurions? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, congratulations to Nelly as well for putting up with. Up I know, Nelly. You need to pull your mic together. down. We need to have a conversation with you. First of all, congratulations, 100 shows with us. But that's just us two. That's not counting all the ones where co-hosts have had to step in. Like, uh, sorry, external co-hosts have had to step in. How, um, what have you made of this journey? Oh, well, I'm very proud of how far you guys have come. Aww. I think you've done great. Thank you. And Thank I'm, you. Yeah. We, I'm glad we can raise the bat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the bat is in the air. Well done. Well, 100 down. Who knows how many more to go, but grateful to be on this journey with you guys. Likewise, likewise. Sarah, what's happening your week this week? There's always something in Sarah's world. Well, I actually got sick this week. Oh. I've been, you know, I've, what, 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 what's some boxing terminologies of like ducking and weaving? Is that a thing? Yeah, if yeah. you duck and weave when you, like you don't get sick, but you, you, got, yeah. hit, you got hit. Yeah, I got uppercut. <laughs> I got a mean uppercut straight to my chin. Um, and it, it rocked me. I was like ducking and weaving it for the, for like over the weekend, earlier in the week. And then he just like came and just uppercut me and. I was bedridden um, yesterday, but you know what? Thank you, Jesus, for cold and flu. <laughs> Thank you for cousins who like to look after you. And um, yeah, she's on the mend again. So look, not much doing in my world. What about you? No, th- to be honest, there's nothing doing in my world either. Like it's rugby league is like at a really busy part of the year. I get lost in rugby league at this time of the year and it's sort of like the downhill slide towards semifinals. So I get excited for that. I get like pumped up and get ready for that to, to come. But at the moment, it's just like... Yeah, let's get through the weekends. Um, and aside from that, just hang out with my awesome family, always. Keep I love it, the awesome family, because you're the awesome family, man. You've seen my, uh, my middle daughter, Peyton, when uh, she calls through on video or sends video through. She's like off her head sometimes. She's so funny. But I call her most mornings now for a video call just to have a laugh to set my day up. Like she's <laughs> like, she gets my day going. Anyway, enough about my family life. Let's get into some sport. And obviously plenty going on around the world. Commonwealth Youth Games in Trinidad and Tobago. A lot, of, a lot of success, I should say, for the uh, Pacific nations that are competing over there. Vanuatu were able to set three new national records, uh, Pamela Mesa and Leo Labot in a 50-metre backstroke each, and also for Leo in the 50-metre breaststroke. And then 17-year-old Tolu Young won a bronze for Fiji in the men's 50-metre butterfly, and at the same time clocking a personal best and setting a new record for Fiji, a new national record. So well done to all those uh, swimmers. 
Yes, congratulations to all of those athletes staying with the Youth Commonwealth Games. Fiji are certainly impressed on the Rugby Sevens stage. The men's, they took silver, defeating Scotland 25-20. to 20. And for the Fijian women, they claimed bronze after defeating Kenya 22-10. to 10. Do want to make mention of Australia who were able to secure gold, defeating Canada 50-0. to 0. Want to make mention in particular of a young lady called Faitala Maleka. She's of Samoan heritage and has played here in Australia. Her and I have actually played together. So huge result for this youngster that has experienced a lot of success, including a Wallaroos debut and a Youth Commonwealth Games gold all within one season. Well, well done to the Australian women on that win too. 50 Huge. points to zero in a gold medal match is enormous. Like the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> Turning our attention to the Nepal World Cup, which has concluded Fiji finished in 11th place after defeating Trinidad and Tobago 71 to 37. Staying with the Pacifica results, Tonga finished 8th after losing to Malawi 64 to 54. And New Zealand finished 4th which is their worst results, um, losing to Jamaica 52 to 45. And ultimately, Australia beats England 61 to 45, claiming the World Cup title. Uh, well, the Diamonds, they, uh, they had a force, obviously, on the international stage of netball. And they actually went down to England in the pool matches, I believe. So to, to get through to the gold medal match, also the, to the World Cup championship match and to take them down uh, was a good turnaround. And in good fashion, 61 to 45 is a big win. So well done to Australia. New Zealand, not going to be happy with that result. No, they certainly won't be. But speaking more about the whole Tongan experience, uh, we'll catch up with journalist Miriam Kupu, who was on the ground with them. I guess one alarming um, headline that came out of this is that although the Diamonds have secured this title, which is huge, there's no pay. No pay. And this does have a serious impact. Like if you think about it, the likes of a, say, Fiji or Tonga one, the impact that has on developing nations who don't necessarily have professional contracts is huge. We always talk about like, and and Sarah, you've experienced this before, but sacrifice to go to um, overseas tournaments to play – in big tournaments where you give up work time and you, and you go away and, and participate in something, well, the sacrifice you're going to represent Australia or represent your nation at a World Cup event and not to collect any sort of prize money is pretty um, pretty ordinary. I'm, I'm still shocked when I hear, hear this happen so often for, for many sports. Yeah, I'm genuinely so shocked by it. I think when you're looking at the – sorry, when you're comparing the likes of Australia who have professional contracts that do have that – um, that backup of that money when they come back home. You're looking at smaller nations who are genuinely semi-pro to amateur taking this time out of their own pocket, but purely because of pride and love. Um, it's it's a really tough pill to swallow. I'm genuinely shocked that there's no prize money in it, but what we can only hope is that if you continually raise awareness, circumstances will change in the near future. Yeah, let's hope so. Now, rugby is uh, continuing around the world as it always does, um, but there's been some announcements for the upcoming World Cup. Holy heck, I can't believe World Cup is not far off. But yes, a number of nations um, have started to release their squad list. And the one that we're going to highlight today is Fiji. They have named their squad. Looking at Fiji's uh, performance throughout this test season thus far, they've had a 100% win rate. Uh, They recently finished on top of the Pacific Nations Cup, which took place in Samoa. However, they have their biggest, I guess, uh, competition coming up because they have a test against France um, as well as England um, closer to world, uh, sorry, close towards the World Cup. But just looking at the squad list, um, Roa Louis, who is their head coach, he's opted for the Fijian duo Tetitela and Caleb Munce as his first choice fly halves. This does leave out Ben Volavola, who was a crucial part of their campaign um, a number of years ago. And just in their most recent test, his boot proved to be the difference. So this is a huge, huge loss for the squad, but you have to kind of back what the coach is doing. And want to make mention of Fiji 
Jin Ju. I think we spoke about it briefly last week, but to see the number of players who were represented within Super Rugby Pacific transition over is kind of nice because those results are starting to show on that world stage. So it's promising, this Fijian squad. You look at the way that they're, they're currently going, looking at the way that their squad has formed, looking at the number of Fijian Drua players that are represented there, it's becoming quite clear, um, I guess, the direction they want to take come World Cup. Yeah, well, those two warm-up matches or lead-in matches against France and England are going to tell us a lot about how they're placed and, and hopefully they get some good results and are able to work on the game to yeah, really make a go at it in the World Cup, as you say. Now, also in the Pacific, Manu Samoa, uh, they got a send-off or they got farewelled on, on their way to um, preparing for the World Cup, which was really nice. Plenty of fans turned up to, um, to see them off. Yeah, it was really sweet. There were fans waiting there um, to send these players off. You just kind of are reminded how special or how big these players are to to their home nations and to see them sent out in such a way only tells us, um, I guess, how excited they are for World Cup. Yeah, and for the players as well. Like, Imagine that that buzz you get. One, you, you already get buzzed when you know you're going to be representing your, your nation and um, wear the jersey, but then when you're, you, you, you've you been sent off and there's fans turning up and it, it gets you really primed and excited for what's about to come, no doubt. You feel like superstars. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Speaking of superstars, the Wallabies, the Wallabies, the Wallabies. Don't they, say it like that. No, no, they are superstars. In my they eyes, are. they certainly are superstars. But no, uh, over the weekend, they had uh, Bledisloe Test 2 against the All Blacks. Unfortunately for them, they fell short 23 to 20. You look at that game first half, they had all the lead, all the momentum. I was at a pub in Chatswood. I was so hopeful. Every single fan was as well. But unfortunately, um, they just fell they just fell short. And uh, Carter Gordon had an opportunity to slot a goal. He missed it. That proved too costly. But then when you look at the All Blacks and the number of players that came off the bench in the likes of Richie Mwanga and Aaron Smith, who are world-class players and know how to close a game, um, it was it was sensational. But you look at um, the Wallabies and I think they showed a lot of promise. Um, I'm really excited for the likes of Ponefam Wasuli, who was able to make his starting debut in the number three jersey. He's shown that he's more than capable to do the work. And there was just a number of standout players. Marika Korembete. Mark and I'm going to twice here, gave us glimpses of what they can do within that back three. And Samu Karevi, um, he was outstanding as always, but he's currently looking at a wrist injury. So that being said, their squad list is due to come out very, very shortly. So it'll be exciting to see who Eddie Jones does choose. Are they? Do they have any more matches before Cup? Or no, they're done. That's it. So they're done. The dress rehearsals are done. Dress they're, rehearsals are done. Yep. And it's always light. Well, sorry, it's always dark before before it's light. So the best for the Wallabies is still yet to come. Let's hope so. Now the NRL and in the NRLW, I should say, Kennedy Charrington, uh, she was unfortunately served with a full match suspension following a spear tackle uh, in her game against the Knights on the weekend. Uh, it was a nasty tackle. I was listening to the, the coverage on ABC Grandstand and um, all around, Luke Lewis, uh, Andrew Moore, and uh, also John Gibbs all had fairly strong opinions of the tackle. Now we know Kennedy, she's a, a fan of the show and a guest uh, host from time to time on the show. And there's not a mean, a mean bone in, in her body. She plays the game hard, but she always plays the game fair. And she was very remorseful. You could see straight away as soon as she made the tackle, she was uh, wanted to check on the player and make sure that they were all right. And, um, you know, she had a character reference from Greg Inglis in her, in her case and, and a number of others. So there was no doubt about her character and, and that she wouldn't have any intention to make the tackle. But it's like from my point of view, it was one of the worst that I'd seen in, in the NRLW as well and one of the worst I've seen for a long time in, in both men's and women's codes. But, um, yeah, a four-match suspension, it's, it's around about – the likes of 11 to, or sorry, 10 to 12 matches in, in an NRL season. So it's really disappointing for, for Kennedy. And, um, you know, I hope hope she's all right because uh, she'd be feeling pretty pretty um, bad about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with every single thing that you've said, but uh, looking at that tackle, it was quite quite gruesome to watch. But uh, I think it's a it's a find that's quite fitting to the crime. So she'll no doubt she'll 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 do this time well, um, making sure that she serves the team. She actually did post on her Instagram earlier this week saying that um, she's just going to use this time to support her team as best as she can, and she's fully aware of um, her actions. So. Yeah, Kenny, was was standing with you, thinking of you. It's it's always a tough result, but the team will move regardless. Thankfully, as well, Lation Jones, that was uh, the player that she tackled, was was fine. She she got up, she had some some assessment done by the trainer, and she was fine. So, um, I think ultimately that outcome was good. Um, but yeah, it's uh, unfortunate for for Kenny to be missing those games. Now, uh, other news across the ditch: the Warriors. They're playing in Hamilton this weekend against the uh, the West Tigers. Hamilton. Actually, it's actually the, the West <laughs> Tigers uh, West Tigers home game. Um, but uh, the the Tigers have decided to take that home game over there, and, and a, a bit of a thank you as well for the Warriors and the sacrifices they made throughout COVID. And uh, the game's already sold out, so uh, obviously the Warriors are going awesome at the moment and the fans are getting behind them in New Zealand. They have been turning up at Mount Smart in droves and it's going to happen again at Hamilton. Uh, but one thing that their coaches asked for is that, um, yeah, the fans support from the stands. I mean, I never want to be a party pooper. That's not my style, but just the, we just want to create momentum throughout the whole performance. And, and it's hard to create momentum when people are running on, on the field. Um, and at the end of the day, we want, we want NRL teams to want to take games to all these towns like for, for forever. So we want other NRL clubs to go, wow, did you see that sellout? Did you see how much money we could make if we took a game to that venue? And we had the Warriors as, as the team. And if they do that and our fans um, are loud, screaming, you know, being lunatics like we love them being, or, or I think it's a good thing. They celebrate it. Like we've got the best fans ever, but we just can't. For jumping on the field, we lose momentum as a footy team and then it as a club and a country, I, I don't think they feel they want to go back and take games in. And I don't want the fans to miss out on those opportunities. The message is clear. Yeah. And, and look, like you said, you didn't want to be a party pooper. And I think everyone has a bit of a chuckle when they see when they see a, um, a pitch invader. Um, but it, it, it definitely kills the momentum. The game that he, was, that he mentioned in Napier earlier in the year, I think it was against the Broncos, there was – I don't know, like six or seven that made their way across. And it really slowed the game. I remember watching it thinking, man, this is just running it's dragging the game out. And it was a high-quality game. So um, good message there from the coach, and hopefully it's a, a really good event down there in Hamilton. Uh, now, also in Rugby League, the Rugby League World Cup, uh, as we know, uh, France was supposed to host it, um, but they've cancelled due to uh, a lack of um, funding and, um, I guess, preparation. They, they weren't confident they were going to be able to get the – um, tournament off in the in the right way possible uh, so it's been announced that it's going to be moved to a southern hemisphere world cup in 2026 uh, which is great for us down here we're going to get the opportunity to see international football once again um, we had a world cup here in 2017 so um, you know i'm really looking forward to to the world cup being hosted here again uh, they've changed the cycle as well the next one after that's going to be in 2023 there's going to be men's women's and wheelchair 2023 uh, 2030 sorry 2023 is going to be well and truly gone but um yeah 2030 is going to be the next one uh, it's going to be men's women's wheelchair um, format as well so um, a lot of excitement is going to be building around that just adding to that, what's really exciting is that from 2028, the Women's Rugby League World Cup will be a standalone match, uh, sorry, tournament, 
which is super exciting. It also speaks to the rapid rise of the game. And you look at the FIFA Women's World Cup and how that's um, just risen to bloody heights is amazing. And even the Women's Rugby World Cup last year. So this is really exciting. Like I think this next decade of women's sport is going to be bloody immense. Yeah, I agree with you, Sarah. It's uh, it's going to be good to watch the, the growth in all formats of, of any sport, really. So really looking forward to that. Now, up next, we have Talanoa time. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa time, we are very fortunate to be joined by Tenadal Arana. He is a Cook Islands international. He played for Wakefield Trinity in the Super League and the Sydney Roosters and Cronulla Sharks in the NRL. Tenadal, it is so awesome to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Kia guys. Thank you for having me. Pleasure is certainly all ours. Before we get stuck into it, tell us a little bit about yourself and your Pacifica heritage. Yep, so I was born in Dunedin, New Zealand, so a town, the city at the bottom of New Zealand. Um, grew up there, then moved over to Western Sydney um, in the last year of my primary school in the year 2000. So Australia is now home. Um, my father was born in Rarotonga in Cook Islands, and my mum was also born in Dunedin. But all four of my grandparents were born in the Cook Islands, all from um, different islands. The Cook Islands are made up of 15 islands. And um, yeah, I get to be, a, what's it called, like from a number of different islands. And I spent one year living in uh, Rarotonga uh, in a village called Matavera in year five. Um, so yeah, it was a real cool experience. And then moved over to Sydney and then the... Um, yeah, it was it's, it was like the big apple for me. Uh, it took me a while to readjust or to adjust to this lifestyle, but once I found footy, um, you know, joined the footy club. You know, that was, the rest was history. I enjoyed life then as a young kid. See, what was the, the main differences? I guess when you moved from uh, Dunedin over to over to Sydney, uh, the size of the place. You know, Dunedin's small. Everyone knows everyone. Um, you know, we were as young kids we could run out down the road or we'd sent to the fish and chip shop whereas in um in sydney yeah we're especially i grew up in a town called colleton um and that was a small town compared to the whole of sydney so uh probably just the size and then also i, I felt like the people as well they were different i um i always found that kiwis were a lot we all knew each other, so everyone was, you know, family friendly. Uh, whereas when moving over to Sydney, it was a bit different. It took a while to um, get used to the culture here. But now you're definitely used to the culture, right? Oh, this is home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Talk to us a little bit about your footy career. You've played um, in the Super League. You've played here on Australian soil in the top Premier League. What is the differences between playing within the Northern and Southern Hemisphere? Um, yeah, there's a huge difference between both. I think culture as well. Um, I'll start with UK. So the UK game, it's the fans, they're just fully invested and into your club. Uh, you know, if you lose, they're upset for the rest of the week. If you win, they're on top of the world. Um, even the atmosphere at the game, you know, you got uh, chance like the fans doing chants for the players. So I loved playing over there. You could have like four or 5,000 people and it felt like 30,000. Uh, my chant was... Oh, da, 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 da. 
I love that. So when you run to the back, off the back fence, getting ready for a kickoff, and you've got the North Stand, or our, at our stadium was the North Stand and all the fans screaming and chanting your name. Um, yeah, it's a, them moments you um, you remember for the rest of your lives. Talk to us a little bit more about that chant because if anyone, if I even saw a poster in a stadium that says, go Sarah, I have the biggest head. <laughs> but then to have 5,000 people chanting your name, how did you feel when you heard it for the first time? Well, so my first season there, I had no chant. And then um, halfway through the season, David Fafita came over and he joined our team. So Andrew Fafita's twin brother, um, on David's second game, he ended up scoring two tries, absolutely killed it. So they all start screaming, oh, David Fafita. And then I'm like, he's only been here two games. (laughs) So I wrote on Twitter, I go, Come on, fans! I've been here for how long? And Dave's just got here. Where's my song? And then the very next game, um, they came up with my song, and I was just like, "Yes!" So I got to spend seven years there, and um, at the same club, um, and just fell in love with the fans. My last game, my last home game. So we luckily we won. I ran up to the north stand and uh, done a shui. So I took my boot off. <laughs> said, Who's got a beer? Who's got a beer? Threw the beer in my boot put it down and iconic then, um, yeah and everyone was like when are you coming back and doing the shoey so now i'm remembered for the guy that ran up to the stand after seven years remember remembered for the player that went up and done a shoey with the fans i mean that's how you want to be remembered i'd yeah. like to be remembered like that <laughs> there's the uh the aussie culture coming out and you at the stand I, one of the questions i've got for you around spending time over in england and, and all the guys i know that have gone over to play Super League, have, have loved the experience of being able to like, have Europe at your doorstep and travel and, um, you know, your family gets to, at, at, you know, at a time where you get paid to, to work close to everything, any other time you, you, if you live here in Australia and you want to travel to Europe, it costs you an arm and a leg. How was that experience for you and your family? Yeah, we loved it. Um, my in-laws would come once a year and take my kids and wife to, you know, around the world to different places and, you know, just grateful that they got that experience. Um, I remember one, it was one of our friends, Dominic Perus, another Samoan Cook Islander. It was his Bucks party. And he's like, oh, we're going to Dublin. And I go, okay, yeah, sweet. How much were the flights? And then uh, he said, oh, they're only 30 pounds. So we paid 30 pounds to fly to Dublin for overnight to have his Bucks party and then come back. It's uh, It's crazy how isolated Australia is and then when you're over there you realize that the world is so so much bigger um there's cultures that there's different cultures you know an hour an hour flight away I loved um you know diving into the history of different towns got to visit Rome um you know Santorini where you see it on postcards um Amsterdam was pretty cool so, yeah, just being able to gain that world experience is something I'm very grateful for. Yeah, I bet you are. For those joining us, we're chatting to former rugby league legend and current radio star, Tenada Arana. You're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital. Just want to accelerate to, I guess, the end of your career and what life now looks like for you. When did you know that you were ready to retire from the game? Uh, I don't even know if I'm still ready. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's still playing here. Yeah, played semi-pro for Winnie, 
uh, went with Phil Magpies. Pre- retiring professionally was more um, understanding that my sons were year seven or they're going into their high school life and I wanted to bring them back to Australia, back home, um, back around their own family, around their own culture. Um, and it's been cool watching them thrive, you know, since we've moved back. They go to a public high school here called Rudy Hill, and I've loved it ever since. Um, I remember earlier when we came back, me and my wife wanted to move to Cronulla, and it was the time, it was the time when we had all the Samoan parades out at Western Sydney, and they begged us not to leave. They're like, Dad, we don't want to go to Cronulla. Please, we'd rather stay here. So, yep, we're stuck here. We're sustaining for now. And, um, yeah, they just – that was the big move, was making sure that I get my sons home around family, um, around our culture. And, yeah, it's good to see that they're thriving. How have you found um, the transition from being in a professional fold for so many years to a semi-profile with the Wenties? Yeah, it was more probably the habits that I built over you know, 12 years playing professionally, making sure that I bring them habits with me um, in my next chapter. So things like keeping a routine, um, staying disciplined with your exercise and um, nutrition, you know, staying healthy, making sure the body's still moving. The reason why I joined Winnie Magpies was just to reconnect to the game over here because I'd been in UK for so long. Um, and that's, you know, played its purpose. I've got to meet or reconnect with a lot of um, other footy connections that I did have seven years ago before I left. So it's been cool and we've just made the finals. So um, we never really made any finals at Wakefield Trinity. So it's uh, pretty cool that we get to, I get to finish up or towards the back end of my season, play some finals footy. Yeah, that'd be good if you can uh, if you can push all the way through with that. Now, also in your uh, your after your professional career, I should say, with rugby league, you, you've gone into radio as has been mentioned, Nisian football, which is on or Nisian footy, I should say, it's on the uh, ABC network alongside Sam Wikes. Tell us about uh, how Nisian footy's going, what the show's about, and yeah, how you're enjoying it. Yeah, so me, I knew Sam, or we knew of each other, uh, mutual friends growing up. Here, out of here in Western Sydney, and a friend of ours that passed away, Masada Yosefa, he, um, they do something every year for as a tradition to you know pay respects to Masada, and he was known as the king of the Trigir Hill, Chazil Hill. So on on his birthday, Australia Day, they'd go down to the hill and then run. Um, however old he turned, so he was thirty five this year. Would have to run up and down thirty five times. And that's where we crossed paths, paths again with Sammy. Um, and then we got chatting after we'd done the 35 um, laps of the hill. It took us about an hour or two hours to do. And then once we got chatting about our transition and our footy careers, he um, he called me a couple of weeks later. He goes, hey, man, there's a, there could be this opportunity at ABC to do a footy show, uh, a radio show, um, and we talk about footy. At first, I was like, this guy's out of his mind. There's no way I'm going to do that. <laughs> then he just said, yeah, it could be a good opportunity. Um, let's just go give it a crack. And I had this mindset. I was like, you know what? Any opportunity that comes, just say yes and then just see what happens. Uh, next thing you know, we're in a board meeting with um, you know, some important people at ABC. And then they threw us in the studio and said, yeah, just chop it up and 
start talking some footy. They loved it. And then, uh, yeah, the show got started, Asian footy. And it took me a while to understand, like after a few episodes, I realized the impact that it was making. I realized that the show wasn't about me or Sam. It was about impacting our people. And, you know, we say that our show's there to either entertain, educate, or inspire our Pacific people. And, you know, the reactions that we've had and the responses that we've had from our listeners has been, um, that's been the pleasing part for me. You know, that's the thing that makes me proud of our radio show and what we're doing um, in that space. So, yeah, it's good. We've got some really cool, we've had some really cool guests on. I'm still learning on how to, you know, navigate that media space. But, um, yeah, I'm enjoying the experience so far. And, yeah, just happy that we get to use this platform to impact our people. I love that. And just using that word impact, I think that's the thing that's stood out the most to me about Nasian footies in the short amount of time. The, the guests that you've been able to interview, but also the impact that you see online with the number of interactions that it's had. You've covered some pretty cool people. If you just had to name one player or one athlete that you've profiled that has been your absolute favorite, who would it be? Oh, there's so many. Um, I said one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be disrespectful to any of the others, um, but if I had to... Uh, I mean, you know, I, I have to give it to the first one we had on the show, um, our very first episode, because his story and the way that he came out um, and shared his experiences was, you know, powerful and one that is one that really impacted a lot of our people. And we got so many responses from that. So Far Manu Brown, he was uh, he shared his story and yeah, it was, it was special. It was one that really set the tone for our radio show. Um, he shared his story about the when his mother was um, sick and he thought, you know, we are, we just put her in a home when, you know, let them look after her. But it was his brothers that said, no, that, that's not what we, what we do in our Samoan culture. We look after our own. And then when he realised, like, he, he had this moment where he was... Um, bathing his mother and then he started tearing up and he's like this is what my brother's meant this is what um you know spending that time caring for his mother um and sharing that experience um to everyone was uh yeah that was heartwarming and made a huge impact i remember that um interview quite vividly and yeah it was it was definitely a real powerful um interview Tanera, it's been so awesome to speak about your career and what life looks like for you today. Um, before we let you leave, we'd love to run a segment with our guest called Tip On. It's 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. We don't want you to think too much. We just want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you down to play before you leave us? Yeah, let's go. All right. Dean, we'll take you through that. All right. The clock is on. What have you been binging? Um, almonds. What is your coffee order? Flat white with honey. Who was your most annoying teammate? David Fafita. Who is your sporting hero? Jonah Lomu. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Um, Any Islander song. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Uh, uh, Peter Pan. What's something you can eat for a month straight? Meat. Favourite place you've travelled to? Uh, Rome. 
Do you have a hidden talent? No. <laughs> what song do you play to make you feel good? 660. Scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best. How good are you at keeping secrets? I'll go 8. What was your first concert? 660. Who was your celebrity crush? Oh, the, um, the lady of Friends. The lady Jennifer of Friends. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was just throwing one out there. <laughs> Man, you got through heaps. And that's, yeah, you did. You yeah. didn't. I like that. Sometimes people think just too much. Bang, bang, bang. Well, nah, just, well, I'm just interested in hearing all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, so thanks very much for joining us once again on the show. Good luck with Nisian footy and also with uh, the rest of the season with the Wentworthville Magpies. I'm, a, I'm actually a Maggie's junior, so go the Magpies. Uh, and, yeah, enjoy, uh, enjoy what's to come uh, in, in uh, Radio Land. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me on. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Time to talk about what it's like to be in the world of sport or being an elite athlete. Now, Sarah, this question came to me on Instagram from Joe uh, from Fiji, and the question is, did what motivate you to play change throughout your career? Which is a really good question. Bloody great question. Because careers can be uh, short or long, but often there's different things that are happening in your life and what is driving you to play the sport that you love uh, often moves from time to time. Sarah, what, what are you, your thoughts on this question? Well, like I said, I think it's a bloody great question because my motivations uh, since I started playing have certainly changed over time. And I guess I just want to address that it's okay to change your motivations because you're allowed to. Um, But definitely in the infancy of my career, I would talk about my family being the reason that I play. And while that is absolutely true, don't get me wrong, I love the fact that when I'm, you know, on the field and my name's on a team list, I'm representing my family. They They are not the reason why I play. And I heard this recently, and it certainly resonated with me, that rugby players are very selfish people. And I think about that in my life. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty selfish. And the reasons I play are very self-driven. And it's more so to show myself what I'm capable of and how far I can push myself. And so when I think at the end of the day, when I have to sit with, you know, at the end of my career, I'm going to have to sit with what I've done. It won't necessarily be, or did I make my family proud? Because I know regardless of how long or how short my career is, I've achieved that. It's a matter of whether I'm satisfied with how I played and conducted myself throughout my career. So why I play now is for myself and to make myself proud and to selfishly, I guess, raise my own profile. That's fair. I think I think you hit is that a that. very honest answer? It's very honest, but I think it's, <laughs> I th- I think it's probably very in line with the way a lot of athletes in any sport would think like to you're right you, you definitely say that you're playing for your family and i think you like for me i think you go out to represent your family you yes. try you, you're representing your, your family but you're definitely playing I, I know this was the case for me i wanted to play well so that i was proud of my own performance and that i did everything that i could to um play a good game or to to put out a good performance and I think initially when I was younger, I wanted to represent my family because of the sacrifices my parents made to take me to training every week, to pay for my football boots every year, to 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 make sure that I was given the opportunity to get better at playing rugby league. Um, but then by the time I got to a point where, hey, this is going to be an elite environment that I can go into and, and try and make a career out of rugby league, well, it was all about my career. So you're right, you get selfish. And then 
throughout my career, I, I found myself being very selfish about the way I approached the game because you feel like you have to be dedicated and you have to be really single-mindedly focused on that um, role of being a, an athlete or being a rugby league player in my case. So people around me had to sort of move things to allow me to do that. And I kind of probably took it for granted that my family would just do that. Like my, my mum and my sister, I remember um, when we made the finals in 2005 at the, at the West Tigers, I had a couple of boys come and stay at my place before each game. So Robbie Farron and Benji Marshall came and stayed with me. My mum and my sister would leave the house. They'd go away for the night and stay at one of their friends or whatever so that I could have the house to myself with my teammates. So it became about us putting our performance together for the for the game the next day. But um, I didn't really – I thanked them for doing it, but I was like as if they wouldn't do that because we're preparing for the biggest matches of our lives. So why wouldn't they do that? So again, it's very selfish thoughts. As I got older, my motivation changed a little bit into like I need to keep playing because I'm like I was earning good money. I was enjoying what I did, no question, but I wanted to keep the contracts coming. So that was kind of a motivator through mm-hmm. probably the middle to late part of my career was I want contracts to get, keep coming so I can play the game as long as I can and provide better for my family. So it was like a, a, a slightly different take on it. Um, and yeah, it, it definitely moved. And then at the end of my career, it was like, all right, how do I – my motivation was how do I keep my body together and stay stay on the field and stay fit? Like that was what kind of drove me to, to want to keep playing. I think that's really cool though that we speak about how our motivations change as we go through different seasons of life. Like when you were a young lad compared to when you first became – a dad, yep. your preparation changed immensely. And like, so for myself, when I first started playing to now where I am juggling my media profile with my rugby profile, I know that my rugby feeds my media credibility as well. So it's, it's crazy. Like it's constantly changing, but you have to give yourself permission to, to feel those motivations change and not be ashamed to say it out loud. Like if it's, um, if it's changed over time, but Joe, thank you so much for that question. That was cool to kind of delve a little bit deeper we urge our listeners that if you have anything that you'd like to ask please feel free to hit us up on instagram we're both active my handle is at sarah nangama and dean's is at dean halatow can you be more pacific on abc radio australia oh my god Yo, it's Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around, we'll spotlight our favourite socials, but up next, we catch up with Marion Kuppel to recap the recent Netball World Cup. Well, joining us on Can You Be More Pacific, we're very fortunate to have Marion Kuppel. She is uh, a journalist from Tonga and she was a part of uh, the Tonga Netball World Cup uh, journalist, I guess, uh, Backup that was over there supporting the team and uh, and also sharing their stories. Uh, Marion, thanks very much for joining us on the show. Well, thank you for having me on the show. So honoured. Firstly, I'll get you to share with our audience uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and uh, I guess your role. Um, thank you very much, Dean. So basically born, raised, bred in Tonga. Growing up um, in Tonga, it was very hard for, for us to actually be in the media industry, um, but eventually it's like um, learning about media is um, you first learn that from your families, you know what they say, um, the coconut wires travel faster than any news media in Tonga. <laughs> so you get to learn and adapt to that. And then when you come to the real media industry, where you actually learn the official and the formal way 
to gather news and also to distribute news. But we work and learn as we go, as we do not have uh, the privilege of overseas uh, media students. So we only can learn through the hard way. Um, having said that, um, you know, learning about um, cameras when there's no actually a physical camera until lately we get to actually touch a camera. And then by the time the camera comes, everyone around the world have um, gone with time and upgraded their cameras to 4K, but we're still like learning about the cameras when, you know, black and white cameras. Um, but yes, um, being in media is um, very exciting. I'm married with three children and uh, and I love what I do back at home. I have a special interest for sports, especially netball, um, because I've been, I played netball uh, since primary school, high school, and also rep Tonga after marriage, after having two kids in 2009. And then after netball, I continue developing my media career. And since then, and this covering of the Nepal World Cup for Tonga this year, it was like uh, the topping of my whole media career, having to work um, and also working on something you're always passionate and love. You know, it's um, what else can you ask for? Take us a little bit deeper into the Nepal World Cup because that was so special for so many people for so many reasons. But to see Tonga um, finish the way that they did, have the performance that they had was quite special. But considering how much you adored the sport and your journey in journalism itself, so how was that whole experience for you? Um, I I couldn't compare that experience to anything in my whole life. Um, Having to be there at a world stage and having to see the Tongan team um, play against the top-notch in Nepal um, worldwide. The Tala grew so rapidly throughout, say, 16 to 17 months ago, where we, we haven't even won any sub-Pacific games in Nepal, period. And um, I think that was the, the highest uh, uh, competition that... Nepal have gone through it's the South Pacific Games. But having jumped from that into World Cup, uh, that's so amazing. And um, um, but it's uh, I don't I don't even know how to describe the feeling that the Tongan Nepal players and also Tonga and the Nepal lovers um, can explain that. Because coming out from no rank at all to the top ten and up to top seven, and after this World Cup, we still remain in the top ten like all over the world, worldwide. And that achievement goes not only to the girls and the officials, but also to to all of Tonga. Particularly, I should say, to the girls that represented Tonga who lived in New Zealand and Australia, but wanted to give up the chance and opportunity and the time in the countries in New Zealand and Australia to come and represent Tonga. Most of these girls... The first time they've been to Tonga was just December last year. And having them to continue representing Tonga and uh, being proud of being Tongan, you know, all the Tongan supporters and all the Tongans around the world, they are so happy and uh, amazed about what the girls have achieved so far. That's awesome to hear about uh, that uh, those players wish to, uh, you know, represent um, their, their heritage and, and, and represent Tonga. Uh, and it's also very positive to, to hear 
uh, the growth of netball and, and I guess having that lead in um, where, where there's not much ex- exposure to the world stage, but then to go into a World Cup and as be as successful as they were in, in the World Cup, that's uh, really positive signs for the future. Yeah, yes, it is, Dean. Um, I also have to acknowledge the officials, especially the, the head coach, Jacko Simpson, who is of no blood, no tongue in blood, or have no connection to Tonga except the Dala team. And having her um, put up her hand when Tonga needed a coach, you know, that was the first step of her becoming Tonga. And having her develop with the girls and also have fell in love with Tonga itself, you know, what else can Tonga um, ask for um, in such a person when there's no re- no Tongan blood relations with the head coach? Um, informally, we will talk and then I'll ask her, uh, what do you what do you want? What do you want from Tonga? You know, what what would you want to have? Um, first off, she wanted a, a driver's license. Second is that she wanted um, a, a, a Tongan passport. And third, maybe, you know, a piece of land here and there in Tonga. And I said, okay, maybe I can get you your driver's license. Maybe I can get your driver's license. Um, to, to get your Tongan passport, you have to marry a Tongan. You know, this is us, like, you know, talking um, unofficially and just, like, you know, having a little chit-chat here and there. Um, but then just seeing her wanting to be a Tongan or having something Tongan, you know, I'm a Tongan and I'm proud when people come up to me, you know, and, and tell me they want to be Tongan. And, you know, um, having her story, I share that to my friends and families back home. And, and it gives us a more uh, different pride of being Tongan. Um, and, and, and yes, and, and I'm very happy and very grateful that Shakwa have, um, have dedicated her, her experience and her time and expertise to the Dala team. That's beautifully said. Marianne, take us a little bit more into the Nepal World Cup. As we mentioned before, you were on the ground at the tournament itself. What was the atmosphere like? How did the crowd take to the Tala? And did you get much time to interact with the players? You know, Sarah, I will always have to try to pinch myself every now and then when I was there. Uh, you know, just being there, the atmosphere, it was it was a it was a different it was just like me watching a movie of um of cool runnings you know great movie by the way <laughs> <You know? laughs> i told I, I told everyone this is a, we should make a movie of the Dala team and they were the cool runnings um having come from nowhere and being there the girls um they have uh, created a special bond between themselves um you know it's not only calling each other players or my co-player or my colleague, you know, they just, they're just like sisters, you know, coming together. They've been playing for a short time, but they have very developed a, a, a great relationship in and outside of court. And when they're out of court, we Islanders, we always crack a joke here and there. And, you know, that's the fun thing about being Pacific Islanders is um we can relate through our humorous um, ways and our jokes and our and our the words and the vocabs that we use and you know just having fun that's that's what islanders are you know just having fun here and there and i see that with the girls during the games um i can see the commitment that the girls have have done um especially after three four games you know having to play non-stop for how many days 
you know, you you tend to be tired. If I'm tired, I'm sitting on the bench watching on, and all I do is commentate and write news. I can only imagine what the girls are going through when they're really tired. You know, having to play nonstop, day by day. Um, I can also, I can almost see that with uh, Julita as she plays center because she's the one that's like running like on court, like from the other end to the other end um, on a daily basis, especially during the games nonstop, one whole hour of, of that. Um, but the commitment, and I always like to um, to always rephrase uh, Julita's statement. She always encourages the girls and, and tell them, when you're on the field playing and when you feel like you, you have no more energy to run, you run with your heart. And that's what Tongans are made of. You know, we don't have mountains in Tonga, but our mountains are in within our hearts. When you feel like all your energy has gone, you have no more energy to run, you know, you just you you just use your mountain Tongan heart and finish off the race. Well, that's a, a really good uh, message, I think, for us to end on. Marianne, thank you very much for your time on the show. Um, it, it's awesome to hear about uh, what Tonga was able to achieve at the World Cup, but also to hear about yourself and your, your journey into journalism. Uh, thank you once again for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? Thank you, guys. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Sarah, lots happening in the world of sport and plenty happening online. Also, what have you found this week? Funnily enough, my social of the week involves Tenerao Arana. Uh, he did a piece on the KVT Silk Tales, and I'm just not going to talk too much about it because the audio speaks for itself. One thing I loved after their game when one of the players there, they said, please forgive us if there was any bad language or any bad blood. Um, take this time to ask for forgiveness. If the boy said anything or did anything during the game, please ask for forgiveness. Why not? What happens on the field? Stay on the field. It just put a smile to my face, you know, knowing that that's a Fijian culture, that's part of your values. Love that lots. KBT Silk Tales, coached by my big brother Wes. Um, but I just love that because I think that's just on Fijian culture. Yeah, very much. It's um, it's, it's nice to know that uh, players are going out there and competing hard, but when, when the whistle blows and it's done, you know, they go back to what is value, or what they value, I should say. Let me get that out, what they value. You got there in the end, but yes, beautifully said. What about you, Hollow? What did you find? Uh, I stumbled across this one uh, on the NRL Laughs um, Instagram page, and obviously the Warriors are having a great season. And the, do you remember the song by OMC, um, How Bizarre? Well, they've taken How Bizarre and spun it around and put some different lyrics for the Warriors. Giovanni, this could be our year. Hours. When Marcelo runs it back, who's leading from the front. We're moving up the table like a hot cross bun. Then we see Shui Guy, the coach's box behind. Blocker Roach is saying that the team is doing fine. Shawnee shows a six pack, Dylan just scores some tries. Looking at his curls, is that a perm? Us Channel 9, up the wires. Up the wires, up the wires. Up the wires. Up the wires. I know there's sort of, there's a bit of debate around the Wars and the Tars uh, because they've kind of just adopted it themselves and, and made it their own. But yeah, I love that little song that was thrown together, particularly the hot cross buns moving up the table. I like that. That's, a, that's some very interesting lyrics. Yes. Nice work from you, Hala. Thank you. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Looking forward to this week, 
couple of things to preview, starting off with the FIFA Women's World Cup because we now hit quarterfinals. Yes, quarterfinals. Big uh, big games coming up in Australia. The Matildas, who everyone's getting behind. They, Frothing. They uh, took down Denmark the other day and they're taking on France uh, this Saturday up in Brisbane at Lang Park. France had a, a, a sort of a cakewalk in the six, around a 16 match. They they took out Morocco 4-0. So this is going to be a big test for the, the Matildas. But again, really looking forward to seeing what they can do. Other matches to be played in the quarterfinal: Spain up against the Netherlands, Japan against Sweden, and England versus Colombia. So plenty going on and hopefully the, uh, the Matildas can progress through. Yes, and I think someone that would be quite instrumental to that, to that success is Mary Fowler. She has been incredible. The goal assist that she had was pretty clever, the touch she had. Uh, but she was in everything. She's just such a threat. And just I imagine being it, 20 years old and that great. Yeah. <sighs> Couldn't even. No biggie. No biggie. Yeah, yeah. Glove girl. <laughs> Glove girl. Glove girl and she's bloody killing it. Over to Rugby League. Q Cup continues in round 21 and the PNG Hunters, who are currently placed 11th, will take on the Townsville Blackhawks, who are in 10th place. This fixture will take place in Port Moresby. Yes, always a difficult trip for any team to head up to Port Moresby and get a win. So hopefully the Hunters can get one home one there. NRLW is in round four. The games I'm looking forward to, the the Cowboys up against the Tigers, two of the new teams. Um, It should be a a cracker on Saturday evening. Also being played that night, the Broncos up against the Eels. We spoke earlier about Kennedy Charrington's band. So uh, they'll be without the Eels, that is. They'll be without their co-captain, Kennedy. Uh, And... The other game they look forward to in the NRLW, the Sharks versus the Roosters on Sunday. Um, I think the Sharks have got a great team, another new team that's doing really well. I think they'll take down the, I guess, the guns of the competition, the Roosters. They've got a really stacked side, but I think the Sharks can get it done. Uh, NRL is in round 24, and the Sharks taking on the Titans on Friday night. Sharks had a really solid win last week to, to get back in the winner's circle and show that they've still got something left in them. The Titans uh, are having a really good back end of the, the season under their new coach, Jim Linehan. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. Also on Friday night, the Broncos up against the Eels. These games are always full on. So that one's taking place up at the Gabba on Friday uh, evening. So obviously the World Cup's moved things from Lang Park to the Gabba. And then the Tigers against the Warriors over in Hamilton. Really looking forward to that one because it is sold out. The Warriors traveling nicely. I I hope my Tigers can get the job done. I don't think they're going to over there. Um, But again, I'm just looking forward to the spectacle in Hamilton. I think it's going to be a really cool atmosphere. Up the Waz. (laughs) Up the Waz. Don't forget you can catch Angie Moore and the Grandstand Rugby League team calling all the games on Radio Australia. Unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the show, but we will be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't look here. Bye there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.